from the creators who brought you RuPaul's Drag Race and Million Dollar Listing. This is World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. Hello, welcome to the Wow Report. That's right, we count down every week the top 10 things that made us go wow. wow. I'm here with Tom Campbell, James St. James, and I am Fenton Bailey. Um, oh, by the way, today is National Adopt a Shelter Pet Day. That could oh. be, yeah. Or it's National Oatmeal Cookie Day. I love a good oatmeal cookie. National Raisin Day. Raisins are in oatmeal cookies. Continue. National Honesty Day. Honestly, I don't prefer oatmeal cookies. And <laughs> lastly, but not leastly, National Bugs Bunny Day. Well, so, so many things to talk about. All right, but let's start our countdown with number 10. Number 10. Got to talk about it. We haven't really uh, circled and talked about this. The Oscars this week, they aired on Sunday. We talked about it a little bit last week on the show. And I have to say, maybe because my expectations were incredibly low or I was lulled into a sense of kind of of sort of like a, a calm comatose, I didn't hate them. It's, it struck me. I, there's a lot to hate about them. It just strikes me, first of all, that people are just so friggin' mean about anything that's live on TV. It's just a chance for people to get their anger out. So they just attack people. Now, I will say this, and this may be damning with faint praise. I felt like it was a PBS fundraiser about sh- movies I'd never see. That is not damning with faint praise. That is just damning. <laughs> I, I can see a lot of people saying, is this a fundraiser? What is, what it was is odd. going on here? And the good stuff, I want to hear what you guys say. The good stuff is, you know, people of color were represented in a huge way. They they were lovely and they bent over backwards to make sure the people of color were visible, were nominated. Uh, there were, there was breakthroughs for female director of color winning. And I know it's in a weird year. It's in an off year. It's in a, but why not? If, if that's what comes of this, if it really makes a significant change, which we won't know until the future, then it was worth it. I also think it wasn't like they made a lot of mistakes. They made a lot of choices as Tatiana would say, like, they were like, we're not going to do clips. We're not going to shorten the speeches. By the way, every year people bitch like, why do they shorten their speeches? Because this year, that's why. They sort of like, we're not going to shoot anyone straight on. Everyone's going to be shot from the side. Everyone's yes. going to be, you know, yes. bending over. Anyway, I, uh, and and whatever. And the last thing, obviously, is that Glenn Close won the night. But even though she didn't win the Oscar. What did you guys think? Feel free to disagree. I disagree. I thought it was one of the most boring, god-awful television moments in recent history. I I, literally, it it was, I couldn't keep my eyes open. It was so boring. I didn't, there was no stars there. There was no fabulous outfits. Everyone looked, everyone looked so tacky. The outfits were just god-awful. I thought, I I didn't know any of the, the, the movies. I didn't know any of the stars. The only thing that was interesting to me was the, um, the legendary Korean actress who won for Best Supporting Actress, Ye Shun Young, Yoon, I think is her name, something like that. Yes, who hit on Bra- who's kind of hit on Brad Pitt during her, uh, her, her. Yes, well, and, and then afterwards, um, someone asked her what he smelled like, and she said, I didn't smell him. I'm not a dog, which I thought was really fabulous. <laughs> um, I don't know. I just, I, you know how I feel about award shows now, but this one was just the, the peak terribleness. Well, you know, it could have been so good. I mean, you know, the Grammys were amazing, right? And they would, you'd think the Oscars would have the most resources to throw at doing a remote thing. And I thought, Choosing Union Station was an interesting... But I I would say just about the train station thing, there was a lot of missed opportunity because, okay, if you're going to do a train station, an iconic train station that's been in so many movies, maybe edit together like a clip of the Union Station for a lot of movies. The idea that there were no clips, I I enjoy a good clips. I I like a lot of clips in in my award shows. I like knowing what everyone is, is what we're voting for and what what we want. I thought it was a shame. Full and I, I, like, I completely skipped it. I didn't watch any of it. I haven't seen a single wait a minute. frame of it. You have the nerve to defend it and you haven't seen it? <laughs> that's what we do these days. That's like that. <laughs> oh, I watched the whole damn thing. 
I'm just going to say, and, and I hope this doesn't come off as self-serving, but on Friday was the grand finale of RuPaul's Drag Race. Now that's which, a show. Now that was a show. Which reached an all-time high, while there's reports this week that all the, uh, with, I think with the exception of maybe the BETs, all of the um, shows went down. Oh, maybe also, the Emmys, the I, Emmys. I do want to just very quickly say that one of the things that was most disappointing to me was the in memoriam section, which I felt was rushed. I they they went through it in like sixty seconds flat, and I like I I want to see the the work that people did, and and the, and I felt that that would they. And give then again, the no win situation is they want everybody in it. But then there's too many people in it, or they go too fast. They and they then, did go too fast, and they didn't show clips from people's from from people's movies and and things. And I thought that was a shame. I hear you. I, and this does seem self-serving and self-promoting, but I think they should have taken a leaf out of Drag Race because I thought what was so great about the finale was not only doing it in a theater that was basically empty, an empty theater, but then yes. filming, playing it back at a drive-through location and filming that. It's like a frame within a frame within a frame. Oh my God, that's what they should have done. One moment, last thought. Since Drag Race premiered at a movie theater, the finale, a drive-in movie theater, will it be eligible for an Oscar next year? All right. Read more, if you want, <laughs> about the Oscars on the WOW Report. James, number nine. Number nine. Number nine, uh, I have a new favorite TV series. I know I have a new favorite TV series every week, but this one is really, really something interesting. And I think, Fenton, I want you to take note here. It's called The Barbarian and the Troll. And I'm not saying it because you're either a barbarian or a troll, but it's on Nickelodeon and it's a new kids show. And it is um, puppets. It's not animated. It's Muppets. It's like Muppet-like puppets. And it's um, uh, sort of, if the Muppets were crossed with Lord of the Rings or Game of Thrones or Robin Hood men in tights or something, it's a very funny show. There's there's Brendar the Barbarian, and she's a barbarian, and she's got a fat talking axe, and she rescues a troll from underneath a bridge, and he's a singing troll. And uh, they find this old wizard, and they go on this quest to get back this magic amulet. And every week they encounter, there's a sk- giant skeleton named Skelly, who is the Lord of the Undead. And he's lost his head, he's lost his body, and he's always like putting his head on other bodies. And and it's the, the troll is always singing little songs. And the songs are like radio ready. They are so good. They're so fantastic. And the humor for this is like SpongeBob. It comes right after SpongeBob. It is for adults. It is totally an adult humor show that the kids will go bananas for anyway because it's fun puppets and it's fun puppets doing magic and things like that. But the adults, parents will absolutely love it. And I want Elliot to watch it and I want you to watch it with Elliot. I'm definitely going to try it out on Elliot because, as you know, his favorite song is Dancing with the Devil by Demi Lovato, which he refers to as the demon song. Keeps on asking me to play the demon song. So it sounds like it's right up his alley, right? Yeah. Oh, it is. It's Satan worshiping for kids. It's it is. It's a lot of fun. And the the idea that it's, you know, a a girl, it's a girl barbarian, Brendar. And, you know, it's it's really it's it's just I I created it. James, do you know what? Who created it? Who's I don't know. It's not it's not um, Jim Henson, but they look very Jim Henson like. Um, uh, But they're all real. It's just adorable. So that's that's that. I just wanted to put that one out there. That's number nine, The Barbarian and the Troll, streaming on Nickelodeon. Number eight. Number eight. James, this is for you, The Serpent. Speaking of The Barbarian and the... There's a theme, right? But this is not a children's show. It's it's on Netflix. It's um, co-production with the BBC. It's a drama based on a true story, true crime story. In the 70s, there was this guy who was a serial killer and he would prey on backpackers, you know, in the, on the hippie trail. So sure. India, um, Thailand, you know, um, and he was a gem dealer and he would basically lure hippies to his place, you know, give them free food and lodging. And it was sort of a party house and then he would scrunch up pills and poison them and um, steal all their money and their passports. And then he would change their passports 
and use the forged passport he had created for him to travel to another country where he'd go and kill some other hippies. And him and his girlfriend, over a number of years, just, I, I think it's only like 20 people they, they went through. It's incredibly dark, incredibly grim, and I love it. Um, it it's not particularly violent. It's just the, the sort of the serpent, who is the titular character, uh, is played by Tahar Rahim, who's in the Mauritanian and is brilliant in the Mauritanian, and he was in something else. Um, wait, this is a true story. It's a true story of a serial killer in the 1970s that we really don't know about. Yeah, yeah. Operating in, you know, in the Far East, murdering young backpackers. Are the, and, are the backpackers hot? The backpackers are sort of bearded and scruffy, but he is so hot. Is he good? <laughs> he's a little bit like Peter Gation in the sense that it's sort of no expression whatsoever. You know, he doesn't have an eye patch, but he just has a permanently dour expression that for some reason is terribly beguiling. And you can see why his girlfriend just went along with it. And he sort of moves with this sort of... At the rev- a lot of the reviews are very negative and say it's very cold and sort of... Um, so there's, the reviewers are saying there's not enough warmth in the serial murder story. No, I'm kidding. Well, he's just so sort of shut down, but he's, you know, it's it's one of those things where it just even a raised eyebrow or tilt of the head just tells you so much. I I watched the first two hours and I thought I'd watched like six hours. I was just exhausted and sort of just strangely compelled by this this horrible story. I went you know, as a student. I went backpacking to, so I mean, I made friends with a woman on the plane and she took me to her place to stay. I mean, I could have been, you know. I was thinking that when you were saying it, it's like, I remember backpacking through Europe and East Asia after college and you are so susceptible because you're so trusting and you meet so many amazing people. And well, this was the 60s, and- you guys. It was the 60s for both of you, I'm, the sh- I'm sure. Of the 80s. And, and people were very, people were much more trusting in the 60s. Yes, and it was also the sort of free, you know, it was like people, privileged people, privileged white people from the West would go to Asia to find themselves on a journey of self-discovery. So they'd be almost going against everything they'd been taught, like don't talk to strangers, you know. It's just terror. So you're watching a series and talk to a stranger, and the next thing you know, you're drugged up, your passport's been stolen, all your money's gone. It's like... It's well, I imagine that probably did happen a lot to people, you know, when you Wait, stay yeah. in, in hostels and things. And before you know it, you're being roofied or quaaluded. And and James, the people in the embassies, you know, who would protect the citizens of the country who are visiting, they didn't like hippies. They didn't like backpackers. They right. thought they were like worthless. And so he was able to operate really with a, a free license. Um, right. Because who cared about these people? Yeah. It's, yeah. yeah, definitely. Um, so that's the serp- um, the, yeah, that's the serpent. Let's take that. a break then. Drag Race Down Under premieres Saturday, May 1st on uh, Wapersons Plus and TVNZ Down Under and Stan Down Under and oh, BBC too. So, Drag Race Down Under coming soon. Can't wait. Yeah. All right. Blake, got a question? I sure do. So, this woman appeared on TV in eight different decades. She won eight Emmys and one daytime Emmy. And for Tom and James, she appeared in five films with Madeline Kahn and four films with Elaine, Elaine Brennan. She would, have been 90, she would have been 95 today. How old is she? Who is she? <laughs> <laughs> I can answer one of those questions. All right, you're listening to The Wow Report on Radio Andy's Sirius XM. We'll be right back with the answer after the break. You're listening to World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. And welcome back to The Wow Report. I'm Fenton here with James St. James, Tom Campbell, and Blake Jacobs. Your question, Blake? <clears throat> this woman appeared on TV in eight different decades. She won eight Emmys and one daytime Emmy. She was... In movies with Madeline Kahn five times, Elaine Brennan four times. Eileen. Eileen Brennan four times, and she would have been 95 today. How old? Uh, yeah, I she? know how old she is. She was 95. <laughs> I got that bit right. You, you got that you one. You know? Well, I, I'm thinking it's Cloris Leachman. Who do you I think, think it's Cloris Leachman. 
Yeah. It is Cloris Leachman, who sadly we lost in January. What yeah. was your daytime Emmy for? I'll have to research that. Yeah. Okay. Best guest on Dinosaur, probably. <laughs> yeah. We are counting down the top 10 things that made us go. Wow. wow. We've reached number the. Okay. <laughs> so. Number seven. Seven. Uh, okay. So I've already expressed, expressed to you on Sunday night, I was made somewhat comatose, but also somewhat blissful watching the PBS special that was the Oscars about films I'll never see. But something got inside of me, and I was so moved by the fact that director Chloe Zhao, is that how you say her name, uh, won for Nomadland, and the uh, amazing Frances McDormand won and was weird and fabulous, that I went to my computer and I watched Nomadland. I've seen an Oscar-winning picture in 2021. Did now, you guys wait, I've, been, I've been avoiding it, and I've been avoiding it because it just feels like I like it's an old person trying to find themselves. And it, it, did you love it? Did you did it speak to you? I again, my frequencies have been so lowered by the Oscars that I was able to go there because you know I'm I'm awake or I'm asleep. I'm running or I'm I'm asleep. I have no in between. Um, it's beautifully made. It is a small film that doesn't make it any less beautiful. Um, incredible performances, but it is the James St. James story. It's about old people. No, but it's just, it's a, you know, it's based on a book and it's, it's a whole subculture of people who live in their vans. We've talked about this in some of our development meetings, Fenton. And for lots of reasons, Frances McDormand ends up in her van, which she says isn't homeless. She's just without a house, you know, like they, they really build up their vans and then they become, you know, women, especially there's, they become prey, you know, just it's, 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 it's the, it's like they're pioneers, modern day pioneers. And there's, um, they, they meet in places and there's a, a lot of, uh, uh, nomads or van people make appearances in this film are major supporting characters. And one of them, and I forget his name, but I guess his name was Bob Wells, um, is like lost his son, couldn't stay married, and just went into the van life. And he started making YouTube videos, which is part of this this thing on people how to like find parking overnight and how you know just how to survive and how it's a community and they give things to each other and you know they can they might still go to a hospital when they're sick, but they live in their vans and they can go wherever they want and they might work at Amazon for Christmas get some money and then move on to the next thing. I mean, it's really American, you know, and it's also really sad. And it's also, uh, you know, and she's given these opportunities to kind of come off, but it's, it's, it's less about, you know, being mental illness or, or just, just not being suburban. You know, she ends up going back to her sister's house. She needs to get some money because her van broke down and her sister married a, a uh, realtor and they're talking about the price of houses and this and that. And she just couldn't care less, you know, and it's just like, you know, and, and, and how all of that kind of traps you, how, how awful it is to take all of your life savings and, 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 and trap you in a, in a hole. And uh, it, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. It, it's small, but it's beautiful. You said that uh, I think early on, you said that women become prey. Do, 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 just, it's, it's exceptionally scary for women, you know, and they don't, nothing bad happens to her, but just, being a woman sleeping in, you know, a freezing parking lot at night by herself, you don't know what's going to come up. You know, it's just, you know, at one point she has a flat tire and it's just her in one other van in this one location. And she knocks on the door of the van and the woman's like, what are you doing? This is early in her days. It's like, you don't know how to fix your tire. If you don't have an, she didn't have a, she didn't have a spare. It's like, you can't live like that. This isn't fun and games. You have to like truly have a survivalist point of view. Um, Again, it makes me think of people crossing the country in wagons and and choose and when given the option to sort of settle down for their own independence and freedom of mind, want to continue going. It's 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 expressed in beautiful ways that I'm not yet I'm not able to in words. Is it like a documentary though? Is it like it's a blending because they have real people, several of the characters, and I read it afterwards who just break your heart, who talk about what they're about, are real are real uh, van people. Um, and Frances McDormand is such an odd character, but first it's, of all, I, one of the comments on Twitter was that, um, 
after her Oscar, she just went home and threw it in a bowling bag and was like, well, they're on to the like, who cares? Like, she just doesn't seem to give a fuck about any of that nonsense. Except she shows up. She, she did does. thank people. She's not, I don't think she's disrespectful. She's a great actress. I think, you know, in some ways, obviously she is this character and she produced the film and she uh, uh, hired the director who won, you know, so she's also, it's just a wonderful testament to a big Hollywood star with big clout giving someone a huge break, you know, and helping to change the industry. So I don't know. It was uh, late on Sunday, but I really enjoyed it and I recommend it. I know, you know, it's this, it's this small film, but it's, it's beautiful. You know, the idea of being outdoors again, it's that wilderness kind of fantasy too, of the desert and, and, uh, and also the, the fear of nature and, and, and the, the power it has over people. Um, yeah, I just, I, okay, I enjoyed good. it. Thank you. Well, I will try and watch it. Like, I hope you uh, Nomadland. keep your expectations low, but it's a sweet, it's a sweet film. Nomadland is streaming on Hulu. James, number six. Whoa, right? Number six. What? Whoa, ho, ho. <laughs> you, what I, got, what I cannot that? sing, so why? <laughs> what are you singing? Kung Fu fighting. <laughs> <laughs> I never would have gotten that from Doodle <laughs> You loon. Oh my God, that is so funny. <laughs> We're laughing with oh. you, Fenton, not at you. <laughs> I think we just lost right there. That is so funny. Um, yeah, no, I've been watching on the CW um, Kung Fu, which is a new series. It's a reboot of the classic 1970s series that starred David Carradine, remember? Um, and it, it, he uh, he was half white, half Chinese in the show. And people were, at the time, furious about that because the show was supposed to go to Bruce Lee. Bruce Lee was supposed to be the star, but they didn't think Bruce Lee was a big enough star to carry it. So they hired a white person to play this half Asian character. And it was people were, George Takai at the time led um, a group of Asian actors protesting it. But in the end, it did end up giving a lot of representation to Asian actors and it employed a lot of Asian actors over the course of its five years or whatever. And I'll just say I'm so old, but I remember I was a kid, but Kung Fu had such a cultural impact that show at the time because it did open doors and made people see things. And he was quite wonderful in the role as well. He he was, but they did also a little bit back and forth. And this is about the, they would have Stephanie powers come on and be an Asian character. And so they did a lot of things. And this is very different. This has, um, an almost exclusively all Asian cast. It stars a woman in the David Carradine role, um, uh, a girl named um, Olivia Lang, I think. Um, and she's a, a Chinese American girl who goes to China and stays at a monastery and learns martial arts from uh, a, um, what is it? Her shifu or mentor. And then the monastery is burned down by this evil woman. And she returns back to San Francisco and she, her family is sort of disapproving, blah, 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 blah. But the, the interesting thing is, is um, well, her brother, who is gay, is very cute. He is played by uh, John Prasida. And she has a, a boyfriend who is really, really hot. And his name is, um, gosh, like uh, Eddie, La- Eddie Lou. Oh, my God. He's so cute. But it, this has one token um, Caucasian actor, which is very you know funny because it used to be the other way. Most shows, it has like one token Asian American or whatever. So um, Asian actor. Um, it also has um, uh, Asian directors, Asian writers, Asian producers. So there does seem to be a lot of representation going on here. I just, I, in, you know, in, in the year that we have Minari and we had Parasite last year and Crazy Rich Asians, you do sort of wish that you could get away from the martial arts trope. That like, why does every show about Asians with an all Asian cast have to be martial arts like at what point do we just get a crazy rich asians tv series you know um we did have off the boat i guess for a while but it it i i wonder and i wonder what the asian community thinks of the fact that like you can't have a number one movie mortal Kombat, unless it's martial arts like what at what point do we have can we get away from that Oh, I hope things continue to change. It's good to have the representation. Nothing's perfect. I do love that. Now, I remember from Kung Fu, the only scene I remember, which was was Snatch 
pebble from my hand grasshopper. <laughs> Do you remember that phrase? Grass, yes, he, grasshopper. <laughs> he had the master, this sort of like kung fu master, and he had a white pebble. And it was in the course of the I don't know the season or the episode. Mm-hmm. I just remember we we still say that in my family grass, you know, because he would close his hand before he could grab. So grab the pebble from my hand, grasshopper, and and. Once he finally did, he was no longer the student. He was, you know, the master teacher or something. Well, this her 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 master, her mentor here is is a woman. So it's sort of the same thing. And she appears as a ghost, and she appears in flashbacks. And so she has she's the role of of grab the pebble. But um, it, like I said, it's it's in two thousand and twenty one. It's her sister is really fabulous fashion woman who's also a, a computer hacker. And yeah. so I mean, it's it's very modern. And it's very updated. And I'm because you remind that. me the original kung fu. He was kind of a wanderer, but he would and he would it was sort of a western and he would face yes. all of this violence and aggression and he would counter it with kindness and peace and serenity and usually be forced for some uh, reason beyond his control to use his kung fu power to to uh, protect we have, we have a little bit of the same thing it, it does it's all centralized i think in san francisco instead of wandering the old west but um she is she is a pacifist at heart but she does tend to use her powers for good and for those who wanted to know what Fenton was singing, everybody was kung fu fighting. That should be a whole separate item because I read a fascinating article about that song. And the the teaser is it has there's nothing Asian in it whatsoever. And yet by a weird sequence of events, it's come to be associated as the, the sound of Asian music, you know. That's so funny, um, but it was part of that whole hype. Like disco was big, kung fu was big. You know, boy, there, there were there, there were a lot of um uh, what they what they, at the time they called the the chop suki uh, genre of filmmaking that was a lot of the martial arts and everything that was kung fu movies, which uh it's it's sort of like you know the um uh like black cinema at the time with coffee and things black like exploitation that exploitation and all that yeah exploitation yeah where it, you look back on it and you think that it's terrible but it did open a lot of doors and it gave a lot of people right. jobs kung fu streaming on the cw new episodes on thursday okay number five number five if you thought the serpent was grim Oh no! Have I got news? Mayor of East Town. Have you seen? Oh, it? with Kate Winslet. Oh my god! Oh my! I mean, I watched the. I think HBO has a sort of monopoly on a certain kind of grimness. You know, The Wire, or I can't think of any other examples. But they seem to have big little eyes. Yes, and Mayor is Kate Winslet plays this grumpy cop in this small sort of rundown town somewhere in Pennsylvania. She does um, grumpy very well lately, doesn't she? Oh, gosh, she's so miserable. And <laughs> I was watching the first episode thinking, I'm not going to watch this. I'm done with this. I'm going to come on the wire report and I'm going to read it and I'm going to be done with it. But then the story is so ingenious and it's like, oh, my God. And, I, and then I thought, okay, I'll watch one more episode. And just as it's coming to the end of the episode, I'm like, okay, I'm done. I'm good. Thanks. Oh, my God. There's a twist. And she plays a cop. She was the high school sports champion of her school. She did some shot, and life since then has been a disappointment. Um, She's sort of friends with a, a mother, fellow mother, whose daughter has been murdered years ago, but she's been unable to solve the crime. Her husband has left her for another woman and is living in a house at the end of her car. I mean, it's like everything is grim. I mean, you must watch it because it's actually incredible. I need to know what you think. Gene Smart, there is a little bit of relief. Gene Smart plays Mare's mother, and that is great. It's sort of grim comedy. I thought it, you know, I thought it was based on a book or was an adaptation, but it's not. It's it's completely created by Brad Inglesby, who grew up near there. Um, I don't know what to say. You guys have to watch. This. Oh, Guy Pearce makes an appearance as a as a potential love interest. He's a sort I of love professor. Him. I like a him. Stellar cast. Yeah, and I, so I'm hearing you're getting one over. How deep are you in now? I'm deep. I mean, I'm deep because, needless to say, someone else gets murdered, and it has some sort of connection. You know, it could be the same person who murdered the other person, and then of course there's one of those dastardly twists that leaves your jaw on the floor and you're like 
and it, it's good. Everyone's a suspect, and you know, you're like, and but she's just so grim. It's like, and she's so good. You know, I completely believe this in this grumpy person. It's you're, when, you are, I'm, I'm more, I'm much more likely to watch this after hearing your report than I was the serial killer uh, thing. So just so you know. Just it's funny because I I'm watching Big Sky, which we've talked about before, and I want to go back and talk about it at some point because that's it's it's a serial killer. It's relentlessly grim, but <laughs> it, it's the last twenty seconds of every episode. They have stuff, and, and it's like literally they will, but nothing happens, nothing happens, nothing, and then twenty seconds, you it's like everything changes, and you're like, eh, that's the new way to do it because you, you're hooked. You have no choice but to you watch. have to watch it. It's exactly. Yeah. But I do ask, what is it about serial killers and grimness that is so compelling to? It just seems to be everywhere you turn. You know, I do wanted to point out that um, Gene Smart, Gene Smart, Gene Smart has uh, has must have a development deal with HBO because she has a new series coming out next month or in May. Uh, it's on HBO where it's a comedy and it's supposed to be sort of a fab ab fabby type thing. So, because I believe her husband again. passed away recently, so I'm glad she's. Keeping busy in her Who career. Did? Oh, her husband? I believe so, yeah. Oh, Long shame. I yes. love her so much. Me too. That's Mary Stan on HBO Max. Uh, before we go to break, I'll just tell you that Drag Race España, the queens are announced this week. So head over to the WOW Report to meet them. Drag Race España will launch later, uh, later, soon. Soon. So there's Drag that. Race Down Under, there's Drag Race España. Keep it coming. Me indeed. We'll be right back after the break. Blake, have you got a question? I do. Now, um, I've been on a diet since the beginning of the new year, and 420 was recent. So I've been thinking a lot about fast food recently. Oh. (laughs) What fast food chain has the most locations of all in the world? All right. Uh, That's a good question. We'll be right back with the answer after the break on The Wow Report on Radio Andy. You're listening to World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. And welcome back to the Wow Report. Fenton here with James and Tom and Blake. I must say, that got me hungry, that question. (laughs) Yes, it's about fast food. It makes me hungry, too. I asked, what fast food chain has the most locations in the world? It has to be McDonald's, right? You think McDonald's because that's the only one I eat at is McDonald's. Well, no, it's got to be. It, it, you think that it's going to be McDonald's, but it has to be something like Orange Julius or Domino's <laughs> or something, or like you know, pull it out, uh, pull it out. Which one? What is it? I'm it's gonna, a- I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say Burger King has more. Okay, Burger King is number five. Oh, huh. KFC is number four. Starbucks is number three. Ooh. Taco Bell is number one. No, no. Okay, McDonald's is number two. Oh. Subway. Number oh, one. that does make sense, doesn't it? Makes sense. Home of the twelve incher. <laughs> ah, a furlong. That was going to be the World of Wonder Wow Report uh, tagline, but we changed it last minute. <laughs> Let's go on with the countdown. Things that made us go wow this week. Number four. Number four. I'm Oscar themed and small picture themed, but on Turner Classic Movies because it's pretty much Turner Classic Movies, QVC, or the news for me. Um, and it's 30 days of Oscar this whole month. They've done a very clever thing where they have, it's, they've done an alphabetical order. So like, you know, you're, you're up one night and you're, you've watched all these P movies. Um, and I literally, I I watched the producers. Then Poltergeist came afterwards, which I'd never seen, which is a whole other conversation. You've never seen Poltergeist? I've never seen Poltergeist and I think it's brilliant. Anyway, places in the heart. Oh, you like me. You really like me. It's the, it's the second Oscar win for Sally Field when she had that infamous speech. Have either of you seen it or do you remember seeing it at all? Places in the Heart, directed she's, and written by Robert Benton. Armor, am I right? In during the Dust Bowl? No. Yes. It's well, it's the 30s. And it's it is again this this movie of character. And there is plot to keep you going, but it's really about just the postcard moments. And it starts off in Sally Field, no makeup and sort of like, you know, straw colored hair. And she's making, you know, dinner and her kids coming home and her husband's there. And they keep hearing a gunshot off. And, you know, it's really dull and (laughs) gunshot. And they find out that there's one of the kids in town is drunk, has a gun and he's out on the railroad tracks just shooting at like birds and stuff. So she's doing stuff and she's talking and plot's going along. 
and the the her husband who's very handsome. I can't remember the actor's name, but he's like, "Come on, Billy." Now I'm going to call him Billy. I can't remember. The character is a teenage black boy who's had too much to drink, and he seems like everybody knows each other and everybody's friendly. And he's like, "You know, come on, put that gun down. Don't you worry about me." And so finally, he's out of bullets, and he turns and he goes, "You know, Billy." Sally Field's husband, the sheriff, goes, "Give me the gun," and he lays it up like, "Ha ha ha!" and goes, and it blows the cop's head off. And that's how it starts. And you see in the shock in the kid's face that he thought there were no bullets. It just speaks to the randomness of life. You know, you're having your Sunday dinner and then something happens and no one meant to, and there's no, it's just devastating. And so the rest of the movie is Sally Field trying to save her home and save her children. And she has young children and, you know, she can plant cotton and a young Danny Glover shows up. Who's this, you know, who ends up, uh, as she keeps giving him food, he keeps asking for work. She says, I can't help you. Even though she shows kindness to him, he takes silver from her. And then is caught by the police who know it's her silver somehow. And she protects him and says, what's it caught? Cause she goes to the bank and the bank's like, lady, you know, sell us your farm, sell us your house. You can't handle it. So they decide they're going to plant cotton and, and all this kind of stuff. And then the banker who doesn't really like her drops off one day without announcing John Malkovich in one of his first roles I ever saw him in who played like her, his blind brother-in-law. They didn't want around anymore. So she has cantankerous blind John Malkovich. She has Danny Glover, who's, you know, a black man in a very contentious place. And it, you know, long story short, and I'm going to spoil it is that she, she 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 prevails and they work so hard and there's just scene after scene and you know it, there's this thing where if you have the first crop of cotton that gets milled or whatever you get a thousand or a hundred dollars and that was enough you know it's it's a plot device but it works so effectively because it's there's also moments like um her son dis- disobeys at school and he comes home and she's there without her husband and he go and she, and she says to the son well what would your father do he goes well he would take a the the belt and he'd whip me and you, you know the boy and so she does it because and the boy wants her to because they miss the father so the boy's asking her to punish him the way he was punished and so she you know it's off camera she says and then it goes out and then john malkovich comes up to her blind and goes what's up she goes i'll never do that again it's just like all these moments are so meaningful so at the end they make the they they, they thanks to danny glover who basically ran the whole thing they get the cotton mill they get the hundred dollars they save the farm and then that night, Sally Field is at like a dance and John Malkovich, the blind guy and Danny Glover at home and they're talking and doing something. And, and John Malkovich goes, who's out there? And Danny Glover goes, you're crazy. There's no one out there. Goes, who's out there? So Danny Glover goes and looks and it's the Ku Klux Klan of the neighborhood. And they beat him brutally. And John Malkovich is like trying to stop them and he can't do anything. And what John Malkovich does is he calls out there and he recognizes their voices. And he's like, you know, Bill Smith, the bag, get away from here. You know, so it's, they're all just like freaked out. So they leave and this is denouement. And the last scene, which is totally different from the movie style wise, but you still think you're in the movie, but the reality has changed. You don't know it. You're at the church house, this little one steeple church house, and they're passing communion. And there's a, a subplot where the, Sally Field's uh, sister's husband's and cheating him, but now he's he's there and he's he's doing the body of Christ and the wine and passing it down. And then it goes to her children, and then it goes to um, um, Danny Glover is there, and then John Malkovich is there, and then Sally Field takes it, and then she turns and she passes it to her husband who's dead, and then he passes it to the teenage black boy who he who had killed him, and they rejoice as this this. Uh, Hymnal goes on and they take the body and blood of Jesus Christ. I know I'm looking and sounding like a freak, but it is the most, it just, I've saw it once in the theaters. Wait, and so they're all dead. It's just the idea of sort of a spiritual reaction. Is this, it's the most, it's the most powerful ending of a movie I've ever seen where you don't see it coming. It's just, it's transports you into sort of the idea of spirituality and how we're all together and, and the reunion and being with people you love in mind or body and just and 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 enemies and people that cause you this all are sort of sitting next to each other sharing in the the body and blood of jesus christ and oh my god it um anyway i'm a freak but i had to talk about it because i saw it in the theater it moved me deeply i saw it again in my home and i was just like holy crap so if i've spoiled it for you no i 
I don't think you can spoil a forty-year-old movie. I Thank think you. the spoilers are okay. I, oh, you're, but it, it just and I posted about it on my Facebook, and, and like there was a lot of reaction because it's the kind of movie that if you've seen it, it just it kicks you in the gut, and it's it's it can't it's it to me on the on the Os- the post Oscar week, it's the magic of movie making because it doesn't necessarily make sense. You know what I'm saying? It's mm. not a genre. It's not you know there's but it just. It captures your soul and your imagination and, and it reminds you why Sally Field won her second Oscar, you know, and, and not to, not to, uh, so make it places a, in the heart and it's on TCM, right? It is uh, on demand right. as well. All right. Let's Sorry. go on to number three. Number three. Number three today. I took the day off and watched, <laughs> took the day off from what? work <laughs> and watched uh, something called the nevers on HBO which I don't know if you've seen the billboards around town. It's um, it is a uh, steampunk sci-fi fantasy series on HBO, which you think, oh my God, never in a million years. I don't steampunk really you. I, but all that steampunk really means is that everyone wears brown clothes and they have a little inventions in the Victorian era. Um, uh, it, um, this takes place in the years 1996 in a mysterious bolt of energy goes over London and it transforms certain women into superheroes. They all, everyone gets different superpowers. And so it's sort of like, and then there's a, a woman who sort of collects them all and, and opens an orphanage for all of them. And some of them can transpose electricity and some of them are super tall and some of them can float and some of them can speak a bunch of languages that they didn't know before. And everyone has their own superpowers. And um, there's a, a very Dickensian um, villain called the Beggar King, and he's uh, he's like the underground of London, and he crawls around the sewers, and uh, everybody is. Um, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> is it uh, 1996 or 1896? 1896 is when it, it starts. Um, and uh, the first episode, unfortunately, it was created and directed and written by Joss Whedon. And I don't know if you've been following the Joss Whedon controversy, controversy, as Fenton would say, um, <laughs> that Joss Whedon is um, uh, everyone is attacking him over the shows that he did remember there was a Buffy thing where everyone, everyone from the set of Buffy came forward and said that he was abusive and really just misogynistic to the women and everyone on the set of justice league came forward and said that he had the, 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 it was an unworkable situation. Like nobody could going to work was traumatizing to everyone because he was so abusive and nasty. So he stepped down after the first episode and now other people have taken over. So it has the Joss Whedon feel without ever having to be a Joss Whedon show. So you can watch it. Um, but it's um it's it's fun and I uh have I'm three episodes into it. I think there's only been three episodes so far. But um it's uh it's cute and there's really fabulous women in fabulous outfits doing Who fabulous. invented steampunk? It's the weirdest genre. It's the weirdest genre. There's always there's lots of um mechanical watches. There's always you see lots of like um like uh cogs and things yes. and the closest I come to steampunk is uh, Wild Wild West. Yeah, well, even that was just terrible, wasn't it? One of the worst movies <laughs> it was, ever but made. It's cute. And Back to the Future Part Three. Remember when they went yes. back to the Wild Wild and West? There's always, there's, somebody inevitably ends up on a hot air balloon, <laughs> and, 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 and like I said, that the palette is always brown. Like like nobody wears black. Everybody's dressed in brown. Like what does it mean? Ooh. But like right, I, said, I don't know what it means. Let's go on to number two. So that's the yeah. never streaming on HBO Max. Number two. Number two. Did you watch The Falcon and the Winter Soldier? No, I don't believe that crap. Well, you know, it's not crap, James. I mean, it, watching a TV series with the budget of a movie every episode, you're like, oh my God, it begins with the most spectacular mid air. Chase fight thing, and it just keeps going from there. <laughs> what kind of series I, I, is that? I don't I like know anything about stars. it. I think both the stars are very handsome. There's um <laughs> Sebastian Stan and the other one, uh, who plays what is Anthony Mackie. Yes, yes, Anthony Mackie, very handsome. And but I just don't believe in Marvel. I'm not a Marvel person. Oh. I I can't do it. Oh my god! I I I mean, this takes place, Tom, after Endgame, the Avengers. After, so you know, in in the Avengers, I think half the world's population disappears. 
And this takes place after those all those people have been returned. So it's a slightly it and there's a there's some sort of organization that is sort of a bit like ICE, the equivalent of America's ICE that is yeah. sort of repatriating people and trying to plug them back into society and it's very controversial. I mean it's a great sort of parable of what they've been able to do is take, you know, current tensions like immigration and race relations and parlay them into the MCU, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which I know James is singularly unimpressed by, but I cannot get over it. This is phase four of the MCU. And just, and this is the second TV show in the phase four. In fact, phase four is the first TV show. So phase four, one division was the first TV show they'd ever done. I would have done one division had I had a, a Disney. I would have done that. That looks fast. The Falcon and Winter Soldier is the next. But then there's like six more coming in phase four. There's Loki, Miss Marvel, Hawkeye, Moon Knight, She Hulk, Secret Invasion. And I cannot. I just cannot get over the scale of it because that's just the TV series. But then there's about a dozen movies. It's it's the most staggering achievement. Wait, that's wait, what people think the when show... they hear you plugging all the drag races, just so you know. Is, wait, but is this the show where they had the gay Captain America or the gay Captain Marvel or whatever? That... And it was like, there's a hint again. I, to tell you the truth, I didn't pay as close attention <laughs> as I should Wait a minute. <laughs> I did watch them. Here's the thing, James. I find the plots too complicated to follow. I, I mean, I really do. <laughs> but you and, love the, and yet you love them, and you're 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 talking because they're beautifully up. shot. There's no expense spared. The actors are gorgeous. I just sort of it's like a bath. I just sort of relax in it. I but think I don't really the whole problem. That's my whole problem with Marvel is that it does just all wash over you, and there doesn't yeah. seem to be any any. Um, and he there, there, you know? I feel like in a binging world that the idea of letting it wash over you is probably the only way to survive. So there I think, I think you, you cannot, you cannot be invested in every single damn show. That comes or you end up crying yeah. about places in the heart. It gets it's, well, true, think, it's true. And that, that is my flaw. It's like, I watch things to feel nothing. I don't want to be kicked in the gut. I like, I get that every day. I, oh. <laughs> I want to sit down and watch a lovely Marvel piece of nonsense that's just <laughs> extremely expensive. Got gorgeous men in outfits with capes and what have you. I'm happy. I I, I am there for this boys in spandex. Yes. There you go. All right. Well, that's Falcon and Winter Soldier streaming on Disney Plus. I just have to tell you to set your DVR for the World of Wonder Cinematic Universe. That's Million Dollar Listing New York on Bravo May six. It's back, and it, back, oh, back again. featuring the first female agent in New York series history. Can you, I'm somewhat not scandalized, but like no one it's has a little like, scandalous. It's a little scandalous that it's taken this long, but you know, no one's canceled us for not having a female agent on Million Dollar Listings New York. Keep it going. All right, let's go to break quickly before I say something awful. You're listening to World of Wonders Wow Report: Things that make us go wow. Oh, welcome back. We, James, wake up. I know. I'm, I, I'm like, uh, it look, my eyes are, it, it looks like the, my eyes are shut. They really aren't. I just have little rat eyes. It's it's when you're concentrating, it looks like you've nodded off. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> James is awake. Right. All right. We've been counting down the top 10 things that make us go, wow. 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 What's number one? What? Number one. We were arguing about this before the show. We don't have a number one. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to force mine in and you force yours in, which I think the wow is the 100 days of the Biden administration, how much he's gotten done. Um, there was a joke meme that said, since RuPaul's Drag Race season 13 started, all these things have happened. And, and it's, it's the same as the Biden administration. It's, he's, he's made uh, the, the vaccination thing. Has, he's, he's, he's succeeded. He's, uh, you know, the immigration thing is tough, but he's trying to make something of it. I don't have my list ready, but he's also, you know, dealing with all kinds of issues and, and, and I'm being inarticulate, but I think it's an amazing hundred days. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. I want Trump to be in chains. I want him and Giuliani to be perp walked. I want all of that. And it's taking years and years and years to happen. I'm a little irritated with that. Well, your number one thing then is that Giuliani's apartment got raided. 
and his office got raided. But will anything come of it? I just don't believe I have a feeling they're all going to get away with it. I just I worry and worry and worry that we will never live to see Trump in chains or or Juliana or Ivanka or Jared or any of them. I guess that's why you have to retreat into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Oh, like take the bath of oblivion. Right back, right back at you. Now, are um, you all? Is is everybody all um, immunized? Have you gotten all both vaccinations? I've got both shots. I am not uh, ten days out yet, but I will be shortly. I'm think next Wednesday. I'm going to work out in a gym with my trainer. Wow, with a mask on. Um, James, you got your shots. I get my second one next weekend. Um, and then, you know, now they're saying Biden says, go out and you don't need your mask if you don't want to. But, I'm, you know, the thing about that is we went I went this whole year without getting a cold once, without getting the flu once, without having chap lips once. I had a nice, toasty, warm face throughout the winter because my, my breath, you know, kept my face warm. I like wearing masks and I've developed. I think we've talked about this. A mask fetish where I think men in masks are just really I don't want to give this up. I'm not ready to give up my masks. Men in Masks, Marvel Cinematic Universe. Once again, it all comes back to the same place. I'm definitely going to keep wearing a mask outdoors. Why, and why not? Hey, and, James, and not? maybe, and, maybe you we know, can hook up later. Maybe we can hook up later if I wear my mask. <laughs> you see Tucker Carl- Carlson saying, call child services if you see a child in mask. Silliness like that. I really, I, I believe that the, we haven't had a flu. Nobody, do you know anybody who had the flu this year? No, nobody. I think it's the one of the best things that's ever. And the fact that we all wash our hands so much, I think it's all a net, net good. Net, it net. is a net good. I saw an interesting headline in the Daily Mail. I don't read the Daily Mail, but I do occasionally look at the headlines. And it was like, Biden wears masks to his podium after the CDC says you don't need to wear a mask in public. Trying to make a scandal out of someone following a basic common sense health directive, even though it's been rolled back and is no longer required. Why are you trying to persecute the guy and make some kind of scandal out of the fact that he wore a mask? There, a there's so, the Daily Mail, I got to tell you something. I, my uh, way to torture myself if I'm really feeling masochistic is I will read the comments on Daily Mail, which are some of the most evil nasty trolls in all of existence and there's like a thousand comments on everyone and each one is nastier than the one and i do it just to sort of make myself feel better about what kind of person i am because i i I, but the daily mail is just such a piece of work always anyway yes let's wrap it up says blake that's all we got time for thank you so much for listening thank you tom thank you james and thank you blake same time same place next week Until then, go out, wear your mask, don't wear your mask, get your shot, do something that makes the world go wow. Wow.